0: Hello and welcome to the Weekly Sermon Podcast of A.Z. Vineyard Church. This week, enjoy the podcast as truth is revealed in God's Word. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. We got a lot to do today, so I'm not going to preach for very long. Ah, Let's see see how that works out. Ah, See, rennie has been a preacher before. He knows how that works. Everybody turn to... um, The Bible, the Bible, okay? Go to the Bible, Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 1. I have a whole bunch to preach, but I'm going to narrow it down to just a piece of the message I have because we got other stuff to do. Do I have a bad cord on this thing or something? Say again? Okay. Oh. Can you mute me real quick? Better? Same? Okay. Let's just go with it. you guys might have to have a staticky message today. Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to talk about, um, any of you have a Bible that is red letter edition? Yes? No? Yeah? Do you notice these words are in red? That makes them really, really important. That makes it important because Uh, I heard it said this way before, and I I love it, I believe it's true. In Jesus Christ, we find perfect theology. That if you you don't see your theology in Jesus Christ, guess who's wrong? See? So, in this passage, which starts in chapter 5, it's called the Sermon on the Mount... Jesus is giving all these instructions. He's explaining things. I mean, uh, another thing that's in here is the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6. Chapter 7 is kind of wrapping all his thoughts up in this sermon. It's probably one of the most profound uh, uh, messages ever given. I personally believe it's the most profound message ever given by a human. There's just so much in this. But let me read the passage to you. I'm going to teach on it for just a little bit. And then we're going to have some fun. Um, more fun. Yeah, I'm going to pray before I read it. Holy Spirit, come. Now, Lord, just like it was prophesied over me, I pray. Holy Spirit, come right in this room in every life. At home, and those who are watching. Holy Spirit, move. I agree with that song. Spring up a well in us, Lord. You you said that uh, uh, springs of living water would well up in Your people and overflow. Lord, let us be that kind of people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Jesus in this passage, I'm reading from the New American Standard, what yours may read a little bit different. Don't worry about that difference. Um, Jesus says this in verse 1, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Everybody say that with me. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Okay, so anybody that says, Don't judge me. Well, let it start with you. How about you stop judging other people? And yeah, we'll get into that. For in the, in the way that you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Let's stop there. Okay, we live in a time and in a society where they've perfected judgmental attitudes to an art form. Yeah? And usually the ones that are worried about, oh, those Christians, they're judging me, they're judging us, are the most judgmental people I think I've ever seen. And, and it's judgment when Jesus says don't do it. And we engage in doing it. We meaning right here. So if you're like nudging the person next to you, he's talking about you. Well, I'm talking about you too. Don't be elbowing nobody. We're... Here's what I think the Lord wants to do today. He wants to set us free from some things that have really been holding us down and holding us back. I'll explain a little more, but Jesus says, don't be judgmental. Yeah, but I'm right. No, no, you're not. You're arrogant. Yeah, but, but they're stupid. No, you're arrogant. But, but they're mean people. No, you're being arrogant. You're being egotistical as if you're the judge of anybody. You're not. Now, listen to me. When we place ourselves in the position of being the judge, who, by the way, the judge is God, it says so in other places in the Scriptures, when we place ourselves in the position of being someone else's judge, what have you actually done? You're playing God. And that is the problem with humanity. We want to play God. We want to call the shots. We want to be the ones to decide what right and wrong are. Listen, you know, it's hard enough to obey the, the commands in Scripture. We go ahead and make all our own commands, and we don't even obey them either. Anybody ever call you a hypocrite when you did stuff that you said you, you shouldn't be doing? Yeah. <laughs> you can't even obey your own rules. Why do you think anybody else has any interest in obeying your rules at all? I think it ought to be this way. Well, good for you. How's that working out for you? judge not. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. Some of us are living in levels of judgment or critical attitudes towards us, and the root problem is actually you. Because you have a judgmental attitude. What did he say? Okay, remember, it's red letters. You guys with me? Don't judge so that you won't be judged. Did did you hear the whole thing? Don't judge so that you won't be judged. Now, I'm going to refer to something in chapter 5. In chapter 5, Jesus, in an area called the Beatitudes, um, makes this statement. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Everybody say mercy. Anybody in this room like mercy? I like it because that means I don't get what I deserve. God's granted to anybody who wants it the very the mercies of God. And not only that, over and above that, he offers complete cleansing and release from sin to anybody who wants for free. You can't earn it. He's giving his mercy away for free. And on top of that, he one-ups one it and gives you grace, which empowers you to stop living the old way you were living that was wrecking you and others. Yeah? How many know that when you're, you're on a downward spiral, you're harming others around you? It's not just you. And then he gives us his empowering that we can begin to change and become more like him. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Don't be judgmental so that you won't be judged. Do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see the interplay between those two things? Merciful people are a joy to be around. You know, I'm going to throw another thought at you. Judgmental people and gossipy people are kind of like one in the same. Did you ever notice that gossipy people always think other people are gossiping about them? Did you ever notice that? Gossipy people are always worried about other people gossiping about. Why? Because they know what they're doing. So some of you are wondering, is this a message that Pastor John's just trying to step on all of our toes? All I'm doing is giving what I got this week what I got. I believe the Lord wants to set us free from being judgmental people because He wants to prosper you. Because He wants to pour out His mercy in you and through you. He wants to set you free from... Stop that. As you can tell, I have trouble filtering stuff out. Yeah, give me that one. Thank you. I didn't like that one anyway. Okay. Better? Okay, I just can't use both hands so easy. Anyway, Are you guys tracking with me at all? Anybody in here have trouble being judgmental? Yeah, come on. Yeah, thank you, Bob. That's a good word. Thank you. Bob says we all do. For in that verse two, for in this in the way you judge, you will be judged by your standard of measure. It will be measured to you. I want to talk about that briefly. So if you have a little teaspoon of judgment you know, and and you're you're like measuring out a little teaspoon of judgment on somebody. They get to take your your teaspoon and judge it back on on you. And if you have a cup measure and you 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 pour out a little judgment on somebody else, they get it may not be them, but somebody gets your cup measure and pours it out on you And if you have a stinking five-gallon bucket of judgment that you're dumping on other people, some of you got something. Some some folks have like a bathtub full of judgment. They're constantly dumping it out on other people and wondering why they get so much back. Whatever measure of judgment you give someone else is the measure you're going to get back. Again, maybe it doubled. Yeah, over again. Listen, are you tracking with what I'm saying? I'm not up here just beating my gums to get you to say, oh, I'm so bad. I think the intention of the Lord is to get us as a people to be those who pour out mercy on others. Because if you we if we offer mercy Okay, let's, let's make it practical. Someone else has a different political view than yours. Instead of saying, those people are just stupid and brainwashed. How about you say, Lord, you love them people. Help me love them with you. Lord, you forgave me my wrongs. Lord, just bless them and forgive their wrongs. How about, We pour out blessing instead of cursing. How about instead of pouring out judgment, we release mercy or invite and invite the presence of God into their life? You know, that person that drives so stupid on your way to work, you know, instead of giving them the one finger salute, you think I don't know you do that sometimes. How about? How about instead of cursing them, we ask, Lord Jesus, protect that person. Not that fool, that person. Lord, protect that person that you love. He loves them just like you, right? Okay, I'm suddenly reminded of an issue. Some of us have trouble thinking that if we're right, if we're actually right, that gives us the right to treat other people poorly. And you are so very wrong. Right, being right and being righteous are two entirely different things. To be righteous according to the way God, God sees righteousness, isn't it a fact that he sent his son to take your sins and my sins on himself? Righteousness is an issue of love and mercy, not having correct information. I had a counselor tell me that one time and, you know, many years ago in my marriage. It's like, John. You can be right or you can be righteous. But you probably in this case, you're not going to be both. Why don't you be righteous first and worry about being right later? See, within our own lives and our own families, we can be so harshly critical and judgmental on our own family members We, you know, we treat them as if they were they were born to follow your rules or your opinions or, you know, start in your home is what I'm trying to say. Start with your loved ones. Offer mercy instead of judgment. Offer understanding that they came from a different perspective. That's part of what I was going to teach on, but I'm not going to get into it. I don't have enough time today. Offer them acceptance for who they are, knowing that as we follow Christ together, we're all going to change, right? And you're not God and you you don't get to change him. Let's read the next verses. You ready? Okay. verse three, why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, a log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, there's nothing quite so annoying and and hurtful and offensive as somebody who's trying to correct you when they're like really, really wrong themselves. Now, I'm going to talk about two different sides of that coin right there. Okay, first, there's an old saying, and I love it. If you've, anybody in the room has come to me for marriage counseling, you've heard it, and I probably made you repeat it out loud. Keep your own side of the street clean. You know, as soon as you've perfected changing yourself, then maybe you can start helping somebody else change. Are, is anybody alive in here? You guys are so quiet today. At least say, ouch. (laughs) If you're focused on making everybody else line up with how you think right is, you're never going to change yourself because you're aligning them with your own wrong. You're aligning them. Now, the flip side is this. In loving relationships, we do work out our differences together. We come together. Whether I don't know if any of you that have had children notice they kind of come out who they are. You know they don't do it your way, and I you know I've got a passel of grandkids. I'm noticing they they do it all their own way. You know, and and they're fun, total fun, but. Valuing the other person and offering them mercy means that we work it out together. I don't position myself to be all right and them all wrong, especially with our spouses or, you know, in really close relationships. We all are coming from a perspective of our own past and they're coming from a perspective of their own past. And our the blessing and opportunity is we're working out a new life and language of love together, melding those differences together. And the way it works the very best is when we stop judging each other and working and then begin working on ourselves. Take the log out of your own eye first. Is this making sense? Can anybody say that's me and lift your hand in humility. Okay. Go before God. Ask for his help in your own life. Instead of murmuring and complaining about that other one, whether it's a spouse or someone you work for, instead of murmuring and complaining, why don't you pray for them and bless them? Wouldn't that be better? Okay, today... Uh, Let me not go there yet. I believe what God wants to do is I had a great conversation with Jason this week about sowing seeds. You know, in in the book of Galatians, um, Paul says this, don't be deceived for God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. That's what you're also going to reap. I'm a gardener. I know if you plant watermelon seeds, you don't harvest carrots. If you plant tumbleweed seeds, you don't pick apples. Okay? Whatever man sows, or a woman, girls, you're not off the hook here. Whatever man sows, that's what that's what you're gonna reap. Right? Can everybody do this and say, yep, that makes sense? Okay, but it all and then it goes on to say, if you sow to the spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, if you sow your life into the kingdom, if you sow yourself into Jesus and his ways, you're gonna reap a harvest. That's that's springing up from eternity, that's springing up and, and can never. End. But if you sow to the flesh, he says, you reap corruption, that means rotting. Have you ever like mowed the grass and dumped the grass straight into your dumpster and came back a week later and smelled like what it smells like? Or you pass a little roadkill on the side of the road and it's like, oh, my gosh, what is that? That's what that word means. You with me? I'm getting upstaged over here. (laughs) Here's the issue. When we bother ourselves, when we make the effort, when we focus on ourselves and take ourselves before God and make the changes to pull the log out of our own eye, it actually is sowing seeds of life that affect ourselves and everybody around us. And when we sow seeds of judgment and not bother to, take, to, to work on our own selves, it's affecting us in increasing negative ways because of the seeds we've sown, and it affects everybody around us in those same negative ways because of the harvest we're reaping. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D.com.